And now, and now, the best of Pete Price. The best of Pete Price on City Talk 105.9. Hello, Paul. Hello. Hiya. I'd like to speak about St. John's Market. Yep, what about it? I've been told it's getting knocked down because of Liverpool 1. Uh, why would it get down, knocked down because of Liverpool 1? I don't know, but I hope it doesn't because I'd rather have St. John's than Liverpool 1 in this city, let me tell you. Good, well, there's, no, there's no reason why they should knock... Um, uh, exactly, exactly. Well, there's no Liverpool reason. One, they're just... You know, I wouldn't even have that here. I'd rather have St. John's than Liverpool one here. Well, they Liverpool, both can... St. John's, St. John's is more of Liverpool than Liverpool one. Right, fine. Well, it's what, you know what you, I mean? it's, but it's whatever you want. So the wonderful thing... Yeah, well, listen, no, but the wonderful thing about a city, you see, Paul, is you've got the choice. So you prefer to go St. John's, which is fantastic. Some people prefer to go to Liverpool one, which is fantastic. Some people go up to Speak, which is fantastic. Some people go into Matthew Street, which is fantastic. But the wonderful thing about it, Paul, is we have a city with diversity, so we've got the choice. You want to be carry on, or are you going to interrupt? Carry on. Okay. Listen, St John's Market's been there for years, right? St Liverpool One's only just, you know, it's only just turned up, mate. If St John's Market was took from Liverpool, mate, it wouldn't it wouldn't feel like Liverpool Town no more. But there's you know, no. You know, you know what I'm saying. But there's no talk about it going. St. John's Market is staying and well, so listen, is St. John's Priest. Hang on. No, you listen. Don't tell me to go listen. I actually work here, which is part of St. John's Market and St. John's Precinct. And there is no talk in any shape or form that St. John's is going. No talk at all, Paul. Honestly, Paul. The other person has hung up. No talk at all. The other person has hung up. Now, you might have an... No, Paul, you're ignoring me. The other person has hung up. It'll be ringing up next saying the liver birds have flown away. Late Night City with Pete Price on Radio City 96.7 and City Talk 105.9. Hello, Pete. Hi. Hi. I'm coming on in response to... um, the talk over the Pope's visit to the yeah, UK yeah. and to express the joy that I experienced through his visit mm-hmm. as a Catholic, married to a non-Catholic. Um, and I wanted to say really this about the taxpayers and who's paying for his visit. Um, we we don't really have a choice when we pay towards the civil list. I've worked all my life and paid taxes as my husband does and all my family. And I don't object to it at all. And it was lovely to see the Queen with the Holy Father and her invitation for him to come here. And all this talk about who should pay and who shouldn't pay. If you invited somebody to your home, would you expect them to pay for what they eat or what they come to visit? And also, I'd like to share with you um, the joy that I have as a Catholic, as we are one big family. And when things go wrong in a family, we all come together I'm sure, Pete, in your family, or I know in all of our families, we have times of trouble and distress, and it's at these times that we pull together. And I'd like to also state the positive of the 2,500 young people, the joy of seeing the peace and love, which is what we want in this world, not aggression and division. To see the greeting of the Archbishop of Canterbury and Pope Benedict greasing each other with such warmth. We've experienced such hatred in Northern Ireland and all the 
sectarianism. We don't want that anymore. We want peace and love and to share it with each other. We, my husband and I were not the same faith, but we respect each other's beliefs. And I also like to say that the Catholic Church is one of the biggest contributors to third world countries. We have CAFOD, Aid to the Church in Need, all these things that we have that maybe a lot of people don't know about. And it's only now with this visit that some of the things that people are ignorant about, they don't know the full story. And James Mates, I've just heard him say on the news at 10, or on the ITV actually, that the Pope has talked comprehensively about this abuse and the body of the church is wounded by this, but we will be healed. And the healing has started with this four days of love, outpouring of unity, which is what we want. We don't want that life is too short for people to be disrespectful to people who are trying to bring love to this world and, and unity. And I thank the Queen for inviting the Holy Father. And I thank all the people that welcomed him. And to be honest, peace, he can't win because the saying about the £25 to pay to go in, they are all Catholic people who have paid for that. We paid in our church donations each week. £7 million was collected by the Catholic Church. Once in 30 years nearly that this has happened. And we pay our taxes, and I've worked all my life in the civil service. And every 12th of July, the people have the opportunity to march and the policing and all what it costs for that is every year. And we have to pay that out of our taxes as Catholics. And we have to pay towards the civil list. Now, I'm not arguing about that. I want to live and let live. And I just feel, as I say, Caffard, the aid to the church in need. And we personally, me and my husband, we have in our own church an overseas missionary fund that we all pay standing orders to help two different charities each year and we've just contributed £3,000 to sisters who we befriended here in Liverpool who are out in the orphanages in Africa helping with the children with AIDS who were left as orphans and no family she was staying with us here and they had no running water but we all come together as I say when a family is injured we all pull together and it's not when you see those young people how many Families would love to see their young people loving each other and being together, not the hoodies or the what we see on the streets that falling about drunk. And our Catholic education is second to none. The intellect of those people who are speaking, they're not sheep just following blindly. They are intelligent people, hundreds and hundreds of thousands that have slept in the cold and the rain all night waiting for somebody who they respect and love, as I do. And I thank God for my faith. I actually experienced the most wonderful experience from a Muslim male nurse in St. Thomas's Hospital in London. I had skin cancer, and it wasn't really a good prognosis in the beginning. And through my church and through my parish priest and all the parishioners who supported me throughout two years of trauma, they uplifted me, and without our families, I don't know what we'd do. I, me personally, and I'm thinking, we're blessed as a family of in the Catholic Church. We know things don't always go right, but they don't always go right in every family. 
but we will be healed. And this is the healing process that started in these last four days. And we come together to support each other. But this experience I had with the skin cancer, a male nurse waited two hours after his shift had finished to wait for me because we were staying for two nights in London before I had the operation. And he, he stood with an umbrella in the rain waiting for me and my husband and my daughter to come to the hospital. And I sat and talked to them. He was from Nigeria. And he said, I get a real good feeling from you guys. And I said, the feeling's mutual. He was a Muslim. And I just thank God that we can live, we should live, without looking for the bad, but look for the good. And how else can we live? It's such a short time on earth here that we have to look for peace, not for division. We've had enough of that, and it's caused bloodshed. We've watched some of our soldiers coming back in our Catholic churches with funerals who were going out to fight for the country. And they come back, as well as non-Catholics and people with no faith. We should be united. We should be united to help each other and to live in harmony. And that's what I pray for. Kath, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, Sharon. Hello. Hi, what can we do for you? Um, I just want to talk about mental illness. Mm -hmm. Um, I suffer with bipolar disorder and I've also got a personality disorder. I've got four children and three of them have been taken away from me. Um, I've got my youngest child still with me. Um, but I feel like that I've got social workers involved and family support workers and psychiatrists and mental health nurses and I just I, I feel like they're all out to get me. Why do you feel they're all out to get you? If they're there to because, help you? No, but they don't. They make me worse. Why do they make you worse? Because they just they cause me nothing but stress. No matter what I do, it's not right. Everything I do is wrong. But Sharon, aren't they doing it for the good of the child? Yeah, but I've never, ever, I've never shared any of my children, ever. Ever. And I just, I'm just finding it really, really hard at the moment. I d- <laughs> why, why are so many people involved with you then? Because, because I've got this this illness, this mental illness, and I think there's such a stigma attached to it, you know. Um, Tell me how the mental illness affects you. It affects me day to day. Um, sometimes I, I wake up in the morning and I don't want to. I don't want to get up out of bed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So what do you do about what do you do about the children then? Then. Well, like you say, I haven't got me, me three elders with me. They're with their father, my youngest child. I have to force myself to get up and get them ready and take them to nursery. Mm-hmm. But then I come home and I don't, I shut the blinds and I don't, I shut my door and I don't want to see anyone or let anyone in. And then because I do that, they start worrying, you know, and they, everyone's on like res because I got admitted to a psychiatric unit um, a couple of years ago because I, I overdosed um, and I think they think I'm, I'm going to do it again 
And to be honest, I have thought about doing it again. Well, that's why they're concerned for you, Sharon. Yeah, but they can't do anything to help well, me. They can't do anything to help you, can they? I presume you're on medication. Yeah, I am. Well, so they are trying to help you. But, you know, when, when you have mental health issues, it is very difficult. You said yourself, you know, you, you sometimes come home, put the blinds down, you don't want to see anybody. Well, then they worry, for instance, there, about uh, the chil children being picked up, the youngest, you know. And, and if, if you were to try and commit suicide again, maybe if your child was there, imagine what would happen then. I mean, so that's why they're concerned. Hello, Sometimes I think that maybe they'd be better off if I wasn't here. But that's why they worry about you, and that's why they're there helping you, and you've still got your children, so we have to think of the children as well as you. I know, but I am thinking of the, of the kids, and that's what I'm thinking. I think if, if I'm not here, then they, they wouldn't have to worry about me anymore, because they do. But don't you think, don't you ever think, isn't it nice that somebody out there cares about me and worries about me? Yeah, but I don't want, I hate it. I hate that when people are worrying. And I hate it, I go to bed every night and it takes me hours to get to sleep. And I wake up and sometimes I hate the fact that I've woken up. Sometimes I just want to go to bed and not wake up. What about the love of your children? What about the fact that your children would be devastated if they lost their mum? I know they would, I know. But, you know, they, they've got a new life now. You know, they, they're with their father and he's got a new partner and... She's sort of taken my place and it kills me to think that another woman's put my kids to bed and getting them off and taking them to school. So have you got no children with you? Yeah, I've got my youngest. So you've got one with you? Yeah. Right. How old's your youngest? 18 months. Right. So, and how old are the others? My oldest is 15. Right. Um, and then... Me two girls are seven and three. So you've got a lot of children. Yeah. Well, don't you think, I mean, if you had all the children, don't you think that it would be very, very difficult for you to cope? It's bad enough for you coping with the 18-month-old. I don't, I don't know. Well, just... you see, the mere fact that you said what you said to us that you don't want to be here sometimes and, you know, you think it's better that the children aren't with you and then you sometimes take the child to nursery but you don't want to go back because you just want to keep the doors locked and, you, you know, you've got to think of yourself but you've also got to think of the children. I know, I know my family, they, well, my mum's brilliant but she's, she's so worried about me and I feel guilty because... She's worried about me, but some of my family don't speak to me because they, they don't like the way I am. And one of my cousins, she calls me Stacy off his dances, you know, because and, and she, I think they think that I'm doing it for attention, but I'm not. And this is what I want to say. People don't understand. You know, when you have a mental illness, 
Uh, you know, there's such signal that some people think that you do it for attention, but it's not. How long have you had this illness? Since I was 40. So why have you had children, if you feel like this? Because I, I went through, I went through, I, I go through phases where I'll be fine. And then all of a sudden it can just hit me. Would you think it'd take you now because your children have been taken off you? Yeah, I think it's yeah, yeah, it's true. Because the gold says, you know, I look at their bedroom and they're not there. And I hate it. So where's your baby now? He's in bed asleep. Right. And are you on your own? How often, how often do you see your mum? Every day. I go down every day. And what what help do you get? I have family support workers come out. They come out every day. But all they do, peace, they come in. And they look around the house and they look in the fridge to make sure there's food there. Don't you think that's fantastic that somebody cares to do that? Yeah, but I think it's invasive. Sorry? I think it's very invasive. How would you feel if someone went into your house every day? If I wasn't well and they were checking there was food in the fridge and that the cot was all right and that my baby's facilities were all right, then I would be delighted because they still, you still got your child. I think it's great that somebody cares enough to check if there's any food in the fridge. They could do a lot easier and just take the baby off you and let, just let you get on with it. But they, they don't did, want. They don't want to. They did take the baby off me last year. Right. What was the reason for that? Because I took an overdose. Because what you took an overdose? Yeah. But don't you think you're very fortunate to have the baby brought back to you? Yeah. And I love him, I love him so much and he's me world and he's me these for getting up in the day because if he wasn't here, I wouldn't get up. And yet you had the baby with you when you took an overdose? No. No? He wasn't with me. Right. He was in my mum's. Right. I just don't know what to do. Do the medications not help? Well, I had an interview with the psychiatrist a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. and he said that I'm taking the maximum dose of what I'm supposed to take. Um, he said they can't put it up, but they, they're going to review it, because they don't know if, if I'm on the right medication. Right. But I've had that many different tablets. Over the years. Yeah, because they're trying to find one that will balance you out, that'll help you. I know, but how long is it going to take me? 
Okay. Well, unfortunately, uh, you're not well, and doctors aren't medical workers. They've got to find out which suits you and where you stand. But you think about it. You've got the doctors. You've got the psychiatrists. You've got your health workers. You've got all these people checking up on you. You've got your mother. You've got your family, your children. Some of them are with their father. You've got the baby. There's an awful lot of people helping you, you know, Sharon. There are people out there that have got nothing at all, have no help at all, never see any anybody one day to the next and just are in a terrible state but there are people there trying desperately to help you they're trying to help the children they're trying to make sure that the kids are okay but don't you think that's wonderful yeah you wouldn't want any harm of the children would you no so that's wonderful that people are checking on the children they're also checking on you no they're not Oh, they're not. All right, fine, they're not. Can't say any more than if they're not. That's why all this money's being spent on you. So much money. So many people checking on you, looking after you. Psychiatrists, doctors, tablets, people coming into the flat of the house, che checking on you. You're going to nursery with the children. The father's got the children. There's an awful lot of people helping you, Sharon, love. Peter, really I didn't ask for it. I didn't ask for this to happen. Nobody said you did. But there are people helping you. You know, you could be totally alone with the children and have no one helping you. Thank God there are people out there trying to help you, trying to find the right medication for you. But you can't just have medication for a week. It's got to find out if it works. Then they try and balance you out. Then the psychiatrist talks to you. They're checking up on you because, as you said, your words, not mine. You sometimes go back to bed and you don't want to see anybody. You draw the curtains, you lock the doors, you know. You have the problems. You want to commit suicide. You don't want to be here. So people have to check up on you. Pete, you know what it's like to want to die? Sorry? Do you know what it's like to want to die? Uh, I wanted to commit suicide once, yeah. Did you? Yeah. And why didn't you? I luckily didn't take a big enough overdose. And when I woke up the next day and realised what I'd done, when I discovered of my sexuality... Uh, I realised how wonderful life was. And I wondered, you know, why I'd thought about being that low. But you've got children. You've got a baby. You've got a mother. I haven't got a mother. I haven't got a baby. I haven't got children. I have nobody in my life. I've got some lovely friends. No, no family at all. Okay, I just wanted to just... Talk about mental illness. Sharon, you've talked about it very admirably and it's very interesting. And I just, I would say to you, and I'm certainly no expert, but I would tell you to throw all your love, all the pain, everything you feel, all that emotion into your lovely, lovely 18-month baby. And thank God every day you've got the baby back and it's giving you a reason to live. I know. All right, Sharon, you take care. We'll make yourself a cup of tea, Joe. The best of Pete Price on Radio City 96.7. Hi, Pete. Hi. Hi, I'm just ringing up. I'd like to talk about um, a call about you had earlier on called Sharon. The young lady, yeah. 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 I just wanted to say that it just really touched me to hear that she was really suffering like that. Um, 
I've lived with my best friend for 10 years and she's got a personality disorder. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, I've seen her go through two breakdowns and numerous amounts of uh, combinations of medication, antipsychotics, antidepressants and everything. And um, it sounded like she was she's on the verge of having another breakdown. And for her to put more energy into looking after the baby rather than herself, yeah. it's just it's not going it's not the right way. She needs to concentrate on herself. She needs to tell someone if she's at, if she's at the point of having a breakdown, she needs to let someone know in order for them to help her. Like she she might they might be able to give her some respite for a few weeks, and her mum could look after the baby or something. Well, she's probably had respite with the last um, three babies. It's just something needs to be done. Well, she's surrounded by doctors, psychiatrists, her mother, uh, all the help and care in the world. Yeah. We can't do any more for her, Karen. I understand that. I mean, I've got manic depression myself. I'm on my medications balanced itself out now within the past few weeks but I've been in that place where she was I, I tried to commit suicide a few years ago because when you're in that in that there's different levels of depression you see some people um are just minor where they just don't feel like getting out of bed or socializing but to the level of depression that she's got where she thinks that she, she really believes that she would be better off not in this world because so people wouldn't worry about that I've been there and I've felt like that so she's not going to see that the people around her are only are there to help her. She's she's feeling guilty that everyone's fussing fussing around her, trying to help her. She sees her mum upset, or the kids are upset. It's making her feel guilty. So that's it's part of the problem. Like she wants to do away with herself because she just feels so guilty for what she's putting people through. You don't see that people are trying to help you. You don't see that. Mm-hmm. I just hope that she's listening now because it was quite a while ago she was on. And if she's listening, then she really she should have a CPN, um, which is a, a community psychiatric nurse. If you've got a psychiatrist, you have one then. And she needs to tell them that if she's on the verge of having a breakdown, she's got to tell someone before it, before it actually happens, before she loses control of her emotions and, and then she does things that she'll regret. All right. Is there any way that you, are you allowed to pass on? No, not at all. No, no, Karen. There are medical people looking after her. I she is surrounded that. by professionals. They are the professional people, Karen, and we yeah. don't interfere in what they do. That's their job. I know. That. I've been. I've. I've also seen that. I mean, when my son first came out of hospital, when she had the first breakdown, mm-hmm. um, before she come out, she got told, "Oh, the outreach team are going to be there for you to support you and everything." It's they do. It's not as good as what they make it out to be. It's not as supportive as what. Well, it seems to be need. if people go in every day to check how she is and to check her fridges and to check the house and to check everything's yeah, all right. It's a mental state that they need to be more concerned well, about. There's a psychiatrist people. talking to her. They're changing her tablets on a regular basis, yeah. trying to find. There's an awful lot of support there for Karen. I know, I know. It's, it's such a lengthy process to try and find the right combination. I mean, I've seen my friend go through it. She's been on all kinds of different combinations. Mm-hmm. Some work worse, some make you worse than, than better. You know, I've been through it myself. I just, she just really does need to concentrate on if she is having a breakdown, which it really does sound like she is. I've seen me make go through two of them. And it seems like she's really on the edge. And she's gonna, she needs to tell someone if she's feeling that bad before it gets, you know, to a point where she'll regret things. Well, you see, she's told everybody because she said her family thinks she's pretending. So she has told everybody. Such a, I've seen that happen before as well. People think that you're overreacting or people think that, oh, why are you depressed? You know, so how much more can people do, Karen? 
don't know. She's don't told know. everybody. Everybody knows. We've heard of all her medical help. We've heard that she has support every day. She's been to psychiatry. She's on med. How much more, Karen, can we do? No, I just feel there's got to be something. We can't let. I just can't let someone hear someone suffer like that. I'm not. Well, how I'm do you think she goes to see her mum every day? How do you think her mum's coping? The thing is, though, I know, but what happens is, if she's got a daughter that's got mental illness or something, because they've grew up together and she's put, she's had to deal with her daughter's mental illness for over a period of time, you tend to get not lacks of daisy, but you tend to just. You know, I'm sure she doesn't get lax of the days ago, Karen. Not when she's had children taken off her. She's seen her daughter suffer losing her children. So I'm sure she's not getting lax of days ago. Well, what I'm trying to say is I've just I've seen my friends one struggling to cope with their um, their mental illness, and it's 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 very draining on a person to be, to try and keep them keep head above water, so to speak. If medication's not working, and we're only humans, we can only do so much. Mm-hmm. So as the years go by... But remember, she did say she's already had the baby taken off her once because she yeah, tried an yeah. overdose. So yeah. they must be watching her very, very closely. Yeah, yeah, they must be. But I understand your concern, and especially yeah. as you've been through it and you see your friend going through it. Yeah. I understand I your concern when completely. I, when I heard it, I just I, I cried when I heard it. I was like, oh, my God, there's someone out there suffering. Yeah, why can't mm-hmm. she, she can't see for anyone around, everyone around is just trying to help it and trying to... Because mm. you don't see it when you're in that frame of mind, but you really don't. Yeah. And I just hope that she'll come out of it and something will get done. And well, It's nice of you to be concerned. All right, thank All right, you. Love. Bye-bye, Thanks Karen. Bye. Hello, Lucy. Hiya. Um, Hi. I'm just talking about the Nick Clegg and David Cannon about all the taxes in the city. Yeah. And all the scales that are coming down, I don't think it's that fair on the children, do you? What, what on the children? I don't think it's fair on the children that you don't they're think all getting moved to different scales because the taxes that David Cameron's bringing down. It's nothing to do with the taxes. The reason that they're all getting moved is some schools aren't busy. and There's no point in keeping a school open if they're not busy. No, but they're only keeping the... They're only closing the schools down because they want more money. No, they're closing the schools down because there's no point in keeping a school open if it's not full. No, because they want, they want to close the schools down because they've got no money and they want to bring more money into the rich. But what about us? No, you've got... Working class. No, you've got it Working class people got that are to- working for everything in their lives. You've got it totally wrong. I haven't got it totally wrong, mate. You've got it mate. totally wrong, mate. Totally wrong. Mate. Do you want to talk to me or is he going to talk to me? No, I'm going to talk to you. Right. The schools are being closed down because some of the schools are not doing business and there's not people there. So that's why they have to close some of the schools down. Well, my my old school is doing quite all right. How do you know? How do you know? Into the How do you know it's doing quite all right? How do you know it's... How do you know it's quite doing quite all right? It's a different part of the scale. How do you know it's doing quite all right? My old scale. Yeah, how do you know it's doing quite all right? Because I know it was. How do you know? Do you know about the finances? Do you know about the teaching staff? Do you know about uh, yes. uh, how much the wage bill is? Do you know how much it is to co- to run the school? Do you know how much it costs to to get their grants for the school? Do you know all yeah, that? Yeah, well, what about single parents that are bringing everything up on now? Single parents that can't work. 
What's that got to do with the schools? Schools, I know, but the money that they're bringing up off single parents and everything. Single parents like me and Irene, my son. I don't understand what, you, what you're talking about. What money are they taking off you? The other person has hung up. See, Lucy had to put the phone down there because she had to get another drink. Hello, Gary. Hello, Pete. Yes, Gary, what can we do for you? How are you? Oh, thank you. What can we do for you? Uh, I used to have a girlfriend, Pete. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, you know when I said to her she used to be a druggie? No, but go on. I, I actually finished with her. Right. Because... She's been telling lies. Right. And and the lies is that she's gone to, what do you call it, to the child. She said the babies. The uh, what? To the what? You know the child agency. Sorry, the what agency? Child agency. Oh, right. Child agency, yeah. Yeah, she's gone... She's um, gone there saying the baby's mine, and she's gone to um, the thing where you get your birth certificate, and she said she's not sure who the baby is. You mean who the baby's father is? Yes. Right. So I'm on about claiming all my money back. What do you mean claiming what money back? The child maintenance money back. Well, how do you know for a fact it's not your baby? Because I know it's not. How do you know? How do I know? Because she's saying one story to another. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Maybe she's ashamed that uh, she wants people to know it's your baby. So maybe she tells you one story and tells somebody else another story. Yeah, that's what I mean, Pete. The what? I understand what you mean. Well, all you have to do is have a um, a test, a, a paternity yeah. test, a yeah, DNA test. To have a yeah. DNA test and it's sorted. Are you in Liverpool, are you? All you have to do is get a DNA test and then it's sorted. So, yeah, I understand that, yeah. So why don't you get that done? I'm thinking about it. Well, why think about it if you're talking about taking the money back? Surely if you find out once and for all, you will know where you stand. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorted out with this letter. Well, no, all you have to do is sort out a DNA test. Simple as I that. Understand, I understand that. That's all you have to do. Then you'll know uh, once and for all. Uh, but the question is, will she... Uh, the question is, I would, but she won't get the baby to do it. Well, if she won't, then she has uh, got something to hide. she so, got something to hide. Well, if she won't do it, because if she won't have a DNA test, then yeah. she must have something to hide. Yeah, and I agree with you, Pete. Know what I mean? So how old's the baby? Six. Oh, right. Why are you talking about it now, so long after? Because I, thought I wanted to get it off my chest. Right. And don't forget, you're a nice man, Pete. Right. What? I said right. And always has been. Right. How's your mate doing these days? Very well. Is he? And don't forget your sound man. 
Thank you. And don't take any stick off everyone, anyone. Nice. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Do you know Do you know what I think about you? I hate to think. No, I'm not being nasty, right? You usually are. I'm not tonight. I'm in oh. a good mood. Oh, I'm thrilled you're in a good mood. Whoopee. What? I said whoopee. Uh, and the thing about you, right? At the end, if you want to be gay, you be gay. Your decision, Peter. That's very nice of you to be magnanimous and allow me to be what I want to be. I'm so saying, and at the end of the day, if you don't want to believe God, you don't have to believe God. Some people do and some people don't. Right. Know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I believe in God, you don't, and I don't criticise anyone who don't believe God. Good. And you know that woman what came on last night? Yeah, the lady who was very distressed. Yeah, I felt sorry for it. I know, everybody felt sorry for it. it was sad. And, and I think God can help her. Um, because I believe in that. Good. I'm glad you believe in something. Yeah. Has she been on tonight? No. 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 So you look after yourself, Pete. Thank you very much, Gary. Nice to talk to you. Hello, Anita. Hello, Pete. Hi. Anita. I, it's about the AIDS. I, I died me on the 5th of September. And what it was, I died me and it says a 48-hour test. Done the 48-hour test. And it got no effect. And six weeks later, I got an effect. I started getting a, I started getting a cyst in my head. And I went to the walk-in centre. And to give me a shampoo, mm -hmm. come home and done that. Got no, it's done no, nothing to me. And so went back to the walking centre. So we got antibiotics and it went worse. Started getting a rash on my neck. So nothing there, and it went worse. So I started getting the rash went worse, and then I went to Western Hospital, and then they didn't have a clue what it was. And then I went to my uh, own doctor and I started, it, it looked like 95-degree burns on my neck. Mm -hmm. And I went to my own doctor and he told me it, what it was. He said it was the AIDS that, that affected it. Right. And it, I said to him, so what's the problem? I said to him, so what's it going to do? He said, it's going to go to a level where it will go from your head down to your body to your feet where it'll stop and then to a level and it'll stop and then all the effects will go. But it's gonna take two to two it's gonna take two weeks to a month for it to go. But you're gonna have to bear and grey it. You're gonna have to put up with it. I'll give you all the all the the antibiotics the cream, everything with it. I can't do nothing for you. There's nothing else that I can do for you. And then when I come home, I come home. And then for a week, my eyes started popping out. I woke up one morning and I couldn't even see my nose. Nothing. Nothing at all. So in the end, I went with it. Just, my neck was just 95 degrees. It just looked terrible. It just went from my neck to my back to my legs. 
down to my feet, to me, uh, to everywhere, to my head. I just couldn't do nothing. I ended up putting a claim in, and I, I ended up sending 24 photos to a claim, and I've put a claim in in the end. And I'm just, this was the 5th, 5th of last month. And I'm, I'm just about getting over it now. I'm just about got, getting rid of the scabs off the back of my neck now. I'm clear now. That's all it is now. So just, I do deserve a claim on that for what I've gone through for the last seven to eight weeks. What do you think about it? Have you been to a solicitor? Well, at the it's claims direct. I phone them up, and I don't have to go to a solicitor. It's claims direct. You phone them up, and they should they speak to you on the phone. And what they say to you is send photos to them. So I sent them twenty four photos to them mm-hmm. of I've took photos of myself the way I was, and condition and I sent a normal photo of the way I should look and put everything on the back of the photo and I sent them to them. They took all copies and they put it on computer and sent the photos back to me and they're dealing with it now. Right. But well, it doesn't know how you get on. Well, just over to God, I do deserve do deserve what? Do you deserve a claim on it? For what I've gone through, I haven't even been at my house for what six weeks, cause I feel ashamed walking at my house. I can't even put nothing near my neck, cause it burns me, it hurts me. So what do you think about it, Pete? Do you think I deserve a claim? Um, it would be interesting to see what the solicitors uh, managed to get for you. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for good. Thanks Uh-oh. for speaking to you. Anyway, please. Let me know how you get on, Nita. Hello, Carol. Hi, Pete. Hi, uh, I I listen to you all the time, and you were just talking about when you've lost someone. Mm-hmm. I caught, I'd just been in the bathroom, I caught the number. And did you say, ask for a Sam? No, Sam is, it's, it's all about... Um, when you've lost someone, you want to talk to someone. No, it's it's no, it's support after murder and manslaughter. It's Sam, the organisation that helped people who've had somebody who they've lost through murder. Oh, right. Well, seven years ago, I had a um, tumour on my bowels. That was all sorted. Then I lost my son a couple of years back, and mm-hmm. apparently I've got it's come back. I've had letters and everything to go back to the hospital, oh. and I won't go because I'm just not bothered no more. Oh, why did you say that? Well, I've got nothing to live for now, have I? All right, you lost your son, which I can never imagine in a million years, but you must have friends and people who care about you. No. No one at all? Well, I've got family, but... And they don't care about you? No, they've got their own problems, haven't they? Well, they might have problems, but it doesn't stop them caring about you. I'm sure they wouldn't be very happy if they heard you talk like this, would they? I don't know. It's because um, it was the, the, the girl you were talking to last night, I listened to you every evening. Mm-hmm. Um, Sharon, was it? The girl who was... Crying all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. But, and then someone phoned you and said that she she doesn't go out, like she stays in bed 
It's just in the house, 24-7. Well, mm-hmm. I'm getting to be the same. Yeah, but you've got... Yeah, but you've got to make yourself do stuff. You know, there's lots of days that I don't want to come to work and I'm just fed up and, and browned off, but you've got to make yourself do stuff. You know, there's no point in just giving up. He wouldn't want that, would he? No. No, no way. Would He'd be very cross. He'd be very cross if he heard you talk like this. But, um, as I say, I listen to you every evening and I miss you so much on a Friday and Saturday. But that number is 207-6767, and I just called the last time. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's not... It, oh, it's not... Uh, so. It, no, it's for murder and manslaughter. It's the people... Oh, oh it's, it's, I thought it was someone to talk to. But what it is, if you've lost somebody through murder... He or, was murdered. Oh, he's murdered? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, you're not caught. Oh, yes. Said, um, uh, oh, you're not told... it was someone else. Right. Oh What's no no no! Right, have you got you got? Right, have you got you? Right, have you got a pen there? I have in my hand. Yes. Two oh seven. Yes. Six, six seven, seven. Six seven. That's it. It's twenty four hour helpline. Ring them now, and they've also got a meeting on the 29th of September. You will be in a room with people who've gone through what you've gone through, and everybody will be able to relate to you. So you must ring them now, and also make an effort so and go I to that meeting. Ring now. Hey. 24 hours. Oh. Yep. Oh, I just wanted to check the phone yep. number. 207 6767. Ring them now. All right. Oh, thank you very much, Peter. Let me know how you got on. Thank you, Peter. Bye bye. The best of Pete Price on Radio City 96.7 and City Talk 105.9.